0: On this episode of AV Week, Microsoft has released a new IOT report. Guitar Center is opening up a new experience center and why that matters to you and translating end user security needs to the manufacturers. All that and more. Next on AV Week.
1: The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This.
2: This. This is AV AV Nation. Nation. This is A.V. Nation.
0: This is A.V. Week, Episode 415, recorded Friday, August 2nd, 2019, A.V. Resource. Support for A.V. Nation is brought to you by
1: Extron, industry-leading technology backed by world-class
0: support. And by Draper. And by
1: Vodio. Makers of the new NDI professional broadcast camera, the RoboShot 30E NDI.
0: This is AV Week, your weekly wrap up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. With us to discuss the news and information we have gathered for this week. First and foremost, her name is Dawn Mead. You know her as AV Dawn. Welcome, ma'am.
1: Hi, Tim. Thanks for having me today.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Also with us uh, is Mr. Charlie Jones. Charlie works for Sennheiser. Welcome, sir.
3: Thank you, Tim. Always happy to be in the country, and more importantly, uh, to participate in your podcast.
0: Yeah, Charlie, Charlie bounces around uh, here and there, and, and he has more stamps on his passport than most, most people I know. Um, also with us is Mr. Jay Myers. Jay is currently working for AVI SPL, but when I first met Jay, uh, he had his own integration firm and, and, and has since sold the AVISPL. SPL, so that is who he works for. Welcome, sir.
2: Appreciate it, Tim. Thanks for having me on the show.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And we're actually going to talk about uh, another acquisition by ABISPL here in a second. Uh, but first, I, this one is kind of a, an interesting to me. Uh, Guitar Center has opened up a, a, a news facility in, in Nashville. It's Experience Center. And, and we've talked about Experience Centers here. A number of times the last couple of years several folks have, have opened them up specifically manufacturers right uh not for nothing but sennheiser has experienced centers uh harman has experienced centers sure uh opened up their experience center uh north of here in, in chicago I'm, I'm, I'm in st louis and north but north for me but this is the first time that i i'm aware of a, a chain like guitar center opening up and before you get before you turn the podcast off too quickly understand that the guitar Center is one of your competitors, and I'm not saying that because folks can pick up cables. There, Guitar Center, a couple of years ago, purchased an integration firm, and they've expanded that integration firm. So they are legitimately in your customers' uh, boardrooms and conference rooms. So these these these, these are folks are looking at ways to bring your customers, you know, over, over to their side. Don, we'll start with you because you you work for an, for an end user now. You are, you have worked for an integration firm. You work for an end user now, not the one that we can name, uh, but as an end user now, is something like this helpful to get you to, not, not, not to play too much on the word experience, but to experience maybe new technology or new solutions that you may not have thought of?
1: Well, I mean, from a marketing perspective, I completely understand the drive to develop an these experience or innovation centers within manufacturers and even integrators like guitar center because you get the chance to show off your product or products in a way that you can fully control you can fully design you can fully put together this vision to share with your customers and there's a lot of power behind something like that if you can get your customer in there looking around and, again, not to use the word again, but experiencing all that you have to offer, it really can make a difference. However, from an end user's perspective now, my day is full. Everyone on my staff, our days are full. We have so little time to get done everything that needs to be accomplished. And granted, this is a very huge company, but there's so little time that if I were to take time to drive to the Sennheiser Experience Center and the Xtron Experience Center and the Crestron Experience Center and the Harmon and the blah, blah, blah. Like there isn't enough time in the day. And this is the argument that I've made for several years now of why shows like Infocom are still important and this move towards experience centers and away from necessarily exhibiting isn't. I can justify to my bosses and their bosses the expense of flying me to Vegas or Orlando, putting me up for a week, and then getting to see this critical mass of technology and people. Granted, you're in a convention center, it isn't the best environment, you can't control every little micro blip of power or internet or whatever, so you don't get the full experience the way you would in an experience center. But it's all right there. I don't have to take any more than those so many days, and I can see what I need to see in order to make a decision to say, okay, well, I've narrowed it down to these two or three companies. Now I'm going to have them come in to me or we're going to find time to go to an experience center to see what they've got. But I can't do that for everybody. So I I get where they're going. I think it's a good concept. And in some cities where everything's nearby, it might make sense. But uh, for my own life and probably that of a lot of corporate AV end users, I mean, ain't nobody got time for that just quote the meme
0: (laughs) and and charlie to to, you know to don's point you know this avdg is is the 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 commercial side of of the guitar center the 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 av commercial av side of of guitar center when they crafted this house and that's what it is it's a house they brought in several different vendors right this is not all you know this is not all one folks so to don's point almost. Would that be then beneficial for somebody like you know, Sennheiser or, or another uh, manufacturer to work with them to make sure that your products are in there because not everybody can go to Infocom. So you, you've got regionalized uh, areas where folks can kind of experience these, these technologies.
3: You, you know, it, it, it brings up a lot of good points, uh, Tim, and and into uh, Don's point. And I think one of the interesting things to also point out is that AVDG uh, is in addition to now being part of Guitar Center. Uh, earlier was also even a residential integrator, and so to me, this house uh, really is a little bit of a snapshot of where our industry is is kind of going, and that we see a traditional. Um, Uh, consumer or consumer, uh, I'm sorry, a traditional retailer combined with a traditional integrator that also is combined with the residential division, all putting together kind of an experience center. And I think where that makes sense and what we're struggling with as a manufacturer is that there is so much information out there. You hop on Amazon, you read a review, this thing is great. This thing is crap, you know, right next to each other. And the hard part for us as a manufacturer is how do we get in front of customers? And so like, as Don indicated, sometimes, you know, trade fairs are a way to do it. Other times it's through the consultant community, but sometimes just having that showroom out there that they can come in and uh, quote unquote, kick the tires Uh, is beneficial, but really from a manufacturer where all this comes from and where we participate in these things is we are desperate to get in front of the right people. Uh, As we see consolidation from, uh, you know, within the, the end user community, whether we see it within the integration community, all of a sudden it becomes very important for us to get in front of the right people and uh, it's interesting because we see a lot of people you know Guitar Center Pro being one of them that's doing this experience center and and other people are trying it and of course there's only so many marketing dollars to go around but you know we're happy to, to do this uh, because it helps us get our message across but uh, I think that if you look at the big picture a lot of these experience centers including even our own experience centers uh, sometimes when you stop and count the dollars to Three, ten years later uh, the investment's not really there so it'll be interesting to see if, if the investment really pays off five ten years down the road or if the, this is one of those things where uh, once the manufacturers say yeah we're not willing to keep subsidizing it uh, they, they close the doors and move on to something else because at the end of the day a lot of us are a lot of these retail centers are uh, kind of the place for you to go try something and then buy it on Amazon.
0: Jay, let me bring this back around here as you know the the integrator of of the group. Now, there have been a couple of different stories that have looked at this from a couple of different sides, and I'm, I'm going to reference uh, Heather Sedorowitz, uh, one of our, our our frequent guests on on Matt Scott's Resi Week. Heather is has traditionally was traditionally a, a residential dealer. She has moved more into commercial. She's actually not shut down her showroom completely, but it's by appointment only, right? So she still has that experience center, right? To keep using that word, but that she she still has the space. It's not necessarily, though, for everybody just to kind of walk in and what have you. Mm-hmm. So is, is it something where, whether it's Guitar Center or it's GDISPL or it's folks here in St. Louis, where it's it's we can create a space to make sure that folks can get their heads wrapped around some of this new technology or some of these these services that maybe – aren't as easy as, well, I understand what a speaker is, right? But, but but it's more integrated like that where it's not something where you're, there's a lot of outlay, but there's a strategic area where you can take folks, whether that's your own space or it's someplace else where that makes sense to work with manufacturers and bring all this stuff together.
2: Well, I thought the story was really interesting for a lot of reasons. One of which is the fact we have an office in Nashville and obviously there are music businesses huge over there. So having guitar center, tying into a uh, an AV integration group and everything, I, I think it's could be a, a stroke of genius, actually, because, I mean, I'm only speaking really of that market. I don't know the rest of the country as well as I know Nashville, but with a lot of the people making decisions or involved with some of this our technology, you know what? A lot of them are, are ex-musicians, and guess where they're going to go and buy their guitars and go look, walk around? I think it's an interesting play. I don't I'm not excited about having uh, more competition in Nashville. I got plenty already. But on the other hand, you know, you have to have some kind of hook to get your customer to come into whatever experience center. And if you've got the, you know, the guitar center and some other things they have interest in, then you're not so one-dimensional. Uh, I, I, I'm going to, you know, be interested in seeing where that goes. And, but uh, I, I frankly think it's a it's a pretty neat idea. And uh, but to Charlie's point, let's see where it's at five, ten years down the road.
0: Absolutely. All right. Uh, speaking of five or 10 years down the road, uh, Microsoft has unveiled a new IOT report, quote, unquote, the IOT uh, state of IOT adoption. And this report uh, it's called IOT signals. It's a new research report designed to provide a global overview of the IOT landscape. A couple of things that this thing, that this report found out, number one, the IDC expects there to be 41.6 billion connected IOT devices by 2025 pause right there. A number of years ago, I want to say it was 2011, uh, IBM did something similar and said that there would be a billion devices by 2016 or 2017. Did not hit that, right? So, anytime you're forecasting stuff like that, it's always tenuous. It's always a difficult thing to do. But let's—that's my only digression on, on this. Uh, Microsoft has identified seven key areas for success as they're working with partners like uh, like like Target and Starbucks and other uh, of their partners. Business strategy, leadership, and organization, a technology roadmap. Talent operations and core business processes. Charlie, I'm going to start with you because you're the manufacturer on this. Looking at Sennheiser's roadmap, and I'm not asking you to break any NDAs or make me sign one, but you guys are, have been doing, you know, you, every year, you know, whether it's the wireless um, spectrum here in the States or, or abroad, um, looking at different things, you guys have a roadmap. When you're looking at IoT, How do you get information back from your clients as to what they need or what they want or do they know what they need?
3: Yeah. You're absolutely right. Tim, that This is the kind of thing that frankly makes us pull out our hair and keeps us up at night. Uh, you know, on the manufacturing side, we like to uh, sometimes pretend that we, uh, that we have all the answers and sometimes what seems to be a surefire thing right now, uh, five years from now is not the case. And, uh, with the explosion of internet of things, uh, I don't, think any of you would have noticed a matching explosion of ethernet jacks around your your house, your hotel, uh, your office. So of course it all ends up being wireless. And being that uh, we are a microphone company that does a lot of wireless technology, uh, this of course is a huge concern for us. uh, Because while Shure and Sennheiser uh, are the two biggest uh, wireless uh, microphone players uh, in the world, when you look at us, compared to a Microsoft or an at and or Verizon or any of these guys, uh, well, let's just say that, that our earnings combined equals uh, probably the, the coffee budget for Microsoft. Uh, and so when they decide they're going to do something, we don't really have a whole lot of say in it, and we have to, we have to react. Uh, and so it's a very fluid thing. It's changing rapidly. We're seeing a lot of iterations. We're seeing a lot of new revisions. Um, and it's the old, you know, nothing is constant, but change. So for us, there's, there's multiple sides to this. One is how are we going to, how are all these internet of things communicating? Uh, is this Zigbee? Is this DECT? Is this through cellular protocols? Is this through historical, uh, proprietary protocols? And then picking one of those is only a small part of it because then we open up a huge issue and one that, uh, frankly, Our industry is is just as guilty of everybody else, which is overlooking the security side of it. Uh, you know, folks want to bring your own device and now they've got it on the corporate network. Well, now we come to find that that, uh, what was just a a wireless microphone or what was a wireless presenter system becomes a hole or a vector for attack. And then before you know it, every bit of confidential company information or all of our social security numbers, as we just saw with Capital One earlier this week, I think before that was the whole Experian hack you know, a lot of these things, you know, didn't start with necessarily dedicated hackers saying, I'm going to find, you know, targeting this. They're looking for open vulnerabilities. And it may be that, you know, wireless microphone. It may be that presenter. It may be that control system. And as an industry, we talk about, hey, the convergence of AVIT and how we can speak their language or right there with them. But where we really still need to learn a lot from the IT guys is the security side of it. Uh, One little antidote, you know, we recently came out with the second generation of our ceiling tile microphone, and the core technology is exactly the same as the first generation. And everybody said, well, what took so freaking long for you to come out with this? You know, it's the same kind of technology. And you want to know why it took so long? Security. Because all of a sudden, there's, an, there's a little RJ45 connector on the back of that microphone. The connector itself costs pennies. However, all the security side behind it, the security stack, how do you update it? How do you adapt for these things? This is what's been, a, a frankly, a nightmare as a manufacturer. And it's not just in the microphone world. The video guys have it even worse because they need more bandwidth and they need the constability to be online. So internet things is awesome. We're all in this industry because we love gadgets, and the more that they're interconnected, the better. Uh, but I think we haven't heard even the beginning of some of the security ramifications. And as an industry, if we wanna be taken seriously, uh, that we're sitting at the same table with the IT kids, we better make sure that we've got our, uh, our house secure and that we're not gonna be the next vector that gets splashed all over the news when Coca-Cola or someone is hacked.
0: Jay, when you're talking with your clients and you're you're developing a, a platform and, and a solution for you know their what their problems are and what you know what their next it, uh, iteration or their uh, next upgrader or, or new building is, how are you talking with them? I mean, how how do you you know, like Charlie says, get to the, the see the table at the big table, making sure that they understand and they're comfortable with you and your team, you know, being on the network.
2: Well, I mean, we've been working on this for a while. My top engineer. You know, recognize this trend in IOT several years ago. So we've kind of conditioned uh, our prospects and clients around here you know, to, to uh, examine our capabilities as it relates to all these network all, all the devices. Uh, to Charlie's point, though, a lot of them have concern about security. A lot of them kind of figure out that you know, even though it's a great topic and if we can embrace it and help them with that as part of the AV integration strategy, that, that's that's a plus on our side of it. I think there's still some level of concern out there about where, you know, implementation of this on a larger scale, it, can it really, you know, be everything they want it to be and and moving forward. But again, we've had this discussion about IoT for, for many, many years and um, presented to the customers about our capabilities and, and no, for the most part, pretty positive. But uh, response. But again, there's concern, and particularly as Charlie pointed out, that you know, like any of this stuff, and every time a, a news story comes out about a security breach, that that <laughs> that increases the uneasiness. You know,
0: yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, Don, yeah, as as someone who works as an end user in the um, government-ish sector. Uh, there are certain area, certain things that you guys are obviously concerned about. However, as an end user, you're also looking at this IoT technology and and the the you know the, the reports that come out like from the one from Microsoft saying yeah absolutely this this sounds neat this sounds interesting. So how do you guys marry those two in an environment that is obviously you know very much concerned about security?
1: Well, I you know I have to tell you just in the past week alone, literally in the past like five days, five days in a business week. I can't tell you how many times I've told my internal customers, well, what you're asking is a very simple solution in the AV world. However, in redacted company names, IT world, we can't use our AV solutions. We have to look for something that meets our security requirements and can do what you wanna do. So it's a case of a lot of times I'll have answers just by virtue of being in the industry so long. I know what technologies are out there that we AV people can do and provide and great manufacturers and great integrators can do. But 90% of them or more aren't approved for use by our InfoSec team, by our sector security team, by program security team, by our customers, security teams you know there there's this like endless process just to bring a demo piece in to a conference room to test off net let alone to get something that's installed in our facilities that can be used on net and even when they're on net they're on limited net so it's it's very much a balancing act thus far um you know, I'm, I'm still kind of new to the end user role. I'm still kind of new to this very secure environment. Granted, I've worked when I was with integrators with a lot of government uh, agencies and, 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 you know, military and so forth, just by virtue of being outside DC, everybody works with them. So, I, you know, I was probably a little bit more aware of security ramifications, a lot of our equipment, than your average integrator, just because that's what we do here in this region. But since coming to work here, I've had to ramp up my education on the cybersecurity and the network security and all of those things substantially. And I can see, and it drives me nuts, where the rest of our industry is lagging behind, you know, and and I mean it sounds like, you know, Jay, your integration company has this on your radar. Probably nowhere near to the level that a lot of my peers would need you to be, you know, same with Charlie, same with anybody in the industry that's watching or listening, you know, even the ones that know what's going on, you, as, as a whole, our AV industry is kind of behind. So, you know, I, 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 I struggle with that. I'm like, we have these cool technologies with IoT, with some of the newest innovations coming out, you know, with this critical mass of exploration and, and invention, innovation that's coming through, you know, our manufacturers. But I can't touch most of it.
2: Yep.
3: I
1: can't. You know, I can't even look at it.
3: To to Don's point, and I had this little bit of an epiphany at, at, at during a conversation over some adult beverages at Infocom when someone asked me for the humpeenth time, "Where's the cool stuff?" The guy in the back of the convention hall that's invented the flux capacitor. And, you know, when we all started in this industry, and I've worked with a lot of you guys over the years, you we remember when we had a lot less gray hair or a lot more hair. Uh, and, and, you know, and, and every year you'd come away with, oh, did you see that thing? And it really kind of concerns me as our industry matures that, that I think a lot of the innovation, like Don was just describing, is being stifled because these little startups – they, they get to a point where then you go to a large bank, you go to a large end user, and they're like, look, this is great, but we can't have you on our network, and without being on the network, it doesn't work. And then it either dies, or at best, it gets sucked up into the giant machine that is the Google, the Microsoft, the Crestrons, the Extrons of our industry. And I think, you know, why is our industry, why does the pace of innovation seem to be slowing? I think the security side of it, uh, is is kind of behind the scenes, undermining a lot of that innovation. And uh, I hope that we we find a a, a good uh, a good secure way to to address this. Uh, because frankly, uh, I I'm still waiting for my hoverboard.
1: <laughs> and actually, if I can jump off of Charlie's point, um, I agree with that that there is some stifling of innovation. But I've also seen in the past maybe four or five years. You know, right at the top, Tim said. Uh, you know, in 2011 or whatever, they predicted a billion devices and they didn't make that number. And now they're predicting 46, 48 billion devices and we may or may not make it. Yeah, Yeah, thank you. But I I don't think that that's unrealistic because we've hit that critical point of snowballing technology-wise in the IT world, in the CES-type world, and here in AV, pro AV, that we could make that very easily. And that's what concerns me. It might not be Innovation is the cool new sexy, shiny whatever flux capacitor, if you will it but it 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 is a lot of the things that we rely on a lot of the bread and butter products of the a v world jumping onto iot because that's where it is right now, without this background knowledge of of cyber security that's going to really bite us in the took us if i may <laughs> I, you, you know it, it, and and it, it's really limiting because. I'll go to Infocom I, I didn't go this year but I went last year and I saw so many great things that would be fantastic new ways of doing the same stuff that I couldn't look at because of the way it, it was handled you know some of the controls some of the room um, I mean even, even things like room scheduling and and um room automation you know like the RMSs and and the utilities and the this and the that all those companies a lot of them have cloud we need on prem we need secure on prem we need doesn't look at the outside world to do these things, but we need them to do these things. So we're in that weird situation. We don't have the shiny new innovation, but everybody's jumping on that bandwagon a little quick.
0: <laughs> let, me, let me ask this as we wrap this, this part up here. Uh, Charlie, and, and it's Charlie and Jane and Don, all three of you. One of the things that I have heard for years back when I was a tech manager, was the bemoaning of the industry as they complained that more and more end users were coming to Infocom and other trade shows. I, I was a tech manager, I thought it was great. I still think it's great, the fact that you've got folks from every angle of the AV industry that, that go to these trade shows and give feedback. That's where I want to go with this question though, is Dawn coming to Infocom is as important and as necessary to Charlie, As Jay going because of what she just said, Jay may never know, right? And I'm using all three of you. Jay may never know the security needs or the security limitations that Dawn has, but she does. And getting that through a game of telephone is a lot less efficient than her telling Charlie directly exactly what I need
3: and and that's where we as a manufacturer have to walk a fine line because we love our partners like avi sbl that diversified all these guys they're they're they are our go-to-market strategy right we we don't want to be selling every tom dick and harry with a credit card sorry no we you know there, there's a level of expertise especially from the security integration side but you're absolutely right tip uh we need to know directly from the horse's mouth what are these security implications? And, and you know, you talk to one bank, it's one thing. You talk to a different bank, it's similar, but there may be some key differences. And then you start looking at uh, government implications, and uh, it, it really blows up. You know, we, uh, we also have issues where sometimes with, uh, depending on uh, who President A is in a fight with, for present, you know, with Emperor B, uh, therefore, you know, this technology can or can't even be exported. Uh, so you're, you're absolutely right. We We have to listen to the end user, but at the same time, we don't want to alienate. Uh, our integration partners, uh, because they, they really are, at the end of the day, the guys that have to make it all work. So you're, it, it's a huge problem. We love having folks like Don uh, at Infocom and other events, and we're constantly looking at how do we get closer to the voice of the customer, uh, but we never want that to be at the, the sacrifice uh, of the traditional dealer community. And so that's where I think some of these roundtables that I know you participate a lot in, Tim, um, are, are really valuable. You know, I think a lot of these years ago started off as just Ways of other ways of marketing and doing little self serving commercials. But it's really opened up to where, hey, you know, Dawn, off the record, we're coming out with this new product. And she says, well, off the record, this is what it would need to do if we, off the record, we even look at it. And there's a lot of these kind of wink and nudge nudge conversations. We, we loop in guys like Jay to say, okay do you guys have the expertise to install this or how can we make it simpler? Uh, And, and it's, that's really where, uh, you know, our our industry is, is evolving and and it's pretty exciting. Like to to Don's point with some of these new innovations, but uh, the problem is there's 19 different ways to do it. So figuring out the best way to make it happen.
2: Yeah. You know, Tim, end users showing up at at Infocom and then, you know, having some sort of uh, whatever uh, conflict with the integration partner that may or may not be there. I mean, to me, I think it's fairly simple. I mean, um uh, it's a responsibility of the integration firm to manage that their end users and prospects so if you're going to send somebody off to a conference that's got 40,000 people it may be a challenging logistically but that's what you're paid to do <laughs> and and you know that and it's not to alienate any manufacturer at all but to be a resource for your customers yeah. and i think that the people that succeed in this industry frankly are good at being able to kind of play in the middle of the fairway with all the, the manufacturers and then present a compelling case to the customer or prospect. But, you know, Infocom's kind of, you know, organized chaos, but it's also a heck of a lot of commerce being done as well.
1: But if I may, I think sort of the evolution of our field, our industry in general is kind of challenging for the integrators, but good on the part for the manufacturers is a lot more of us, end users are coming from integrators there. I've discovered in the past decade or so, a lot more former integrators going to work as end users, which means we're more educated. We, we know more what we're looking for and looking at. We can have these conversations, you know, the Charlies and the other manufacturers are getting a more educated end user discussion because we know what we're talking about it, for Jay and the other integrators. It can be a mixed bag. It can be, Hey, we know exactly what we want and we're going to work with you and we value the integrators expertise, and we value the rep chain and the and the distribution chain. But on the other hand, we have a lot of these smaller one off things that we can just do in house. So we don't necessarily need you for every little job like we did in the old days. So it's kind of that balancing act for the integrator side. But it's pretty good news, I think, from the manufacturing side, because like, we're not just off the street, whoa, shiny,
2: you know. Hey, Tim, I digress for just real quick on the IoT thing. Just another uh, thought that I had on that. You know, one of the things I've observed about this industry, and, and I think Charlie touched on it and everything, Don, you know, we're, I'm certainly not young anymore, okay? We don't have enough young, I'm 62, I forgot. So we don't have enough young people, that, and particularly young people with an IT background that are interested in our industry. And I think once you figure out, and, and there are you know, some of these problems and, and challenges that Charlie and Donna mentioned about security with IoT, IoT is the kind of thing that gets young uh, technical people excited that you can network all this stuff. They don't get excited about microphones. They don't get excited about LCDs. They don't get excited. about video conference in the old days, you used to be excited. That's not exciting anymore. But what is exciting is when you've got the biggest player, Microsoft, saying the kind of things they are, that, that's how you can, in my opinion, you know, the, the future recruiting for the young people in our industry, that's the kind of thing that if we can keep pushing it, um, that's going to help. I really, you know, the, the, to figure it all out, at least as much as we can, security problems and everything else in between, You're, I think you're very likely going to have an influx of young, talented, uh, engineering, technical people that can really help our industry grow.
1: I will say a lot of our interns want to get into the cybersecurity track yeah, here at Redacted. So, mm-hmm.
0: and, and yeah, I, honestly, we, we should take this and, and send this clip, you know, to uh, to you know our buddy Kelly Perkins at SCA and at ignite <laughs> and, and folks over at VIXA and, and their programs as well. So, all right, guys, that actually is going to do it for it. We, we we did have a couple other stories. Congratulations to AVISPL by the way for picking up another uh, another uh, company. Uh, Thank you. kind of uh they they kind of rounded out themselves which i didn't understand i didn't when i first heard that uh they they picked up uh, digital video networks uh and it it was to to cover an area that they weren't quite covering in the southwest so i was i was a little shocked that they hadn't (laughs) they didn't have an area down there so yeah (laughs) but uh yeah
2: that's why they bought us in tennessee then in memphis when i sold to ABI uh last year you know i i would like to think it was my winning personality that convinced them, but I think it was more of <laughs> we we served a uh, to uh, a geographic. We were fulfilling a geographic and plugging a geographic gap that they had in the map. They had no offices in the state of Tennessee, Alabama, Mississippi, Arkansas, wherever. So we had kind of a unique uh, situation there. I think that's pretty much the same way with the uh, the newest acquisition. You got some places in Albuquerque and and, and out that way and. Uh, that I, in Arizona, that I think at Scottsdale and everything at at uh, Phoenix, that can really be pretty lucrative for the company.
0: Absolutely. So, uh, but yeah, congratulations to them uh, as well. And and to Jay, um, folks, Thanks. that's gonna do it for us. So thank you all so much, Ms. Don Mead. Thank you.
1: Thanks for having me, Tim. Absolutely.
0: And how do people get a hold of you if they want?
1: Well, obviously, I can't tell you where I work or how to find me there, but you can always find me on social media at Dawn on the Twitters and several other of the social networks. I believe I'm at Dawn on most of them, uh, on LinkedIn, Dawn Mead. And of course, you can always find me here on avnation.tv where Kelly Perkins and I co-host the AV Social Show, which we just recorded one earlier this week, and I think it's going to be a good show.
0: It was really good. It was really good. (laughs) Uh, it, it was all about email marketing and I was fascinated. I'm, I was just the yahoo in the background recording and it was fascinating to me. So, <laughs> uh, Mr. Charlie Jones from Sunizer, thank you, sir.
3: Not a problem, Tim. Always happy to be here. You can typically find me at the uh, Admiral's Club of your uh, closest airport. But uh, <laughs> if you'd like to find more uh, about Sennheiser and where Sennheiser actually is, at uh, Sennheiser USA is our is our our, our Twitter. Uh, of course, we're also on all the other social medias, Facebooks uh, and Snapchats and all that kind of good stuff. Or if you uh, really just want to pick my brain, uh, charlie.jones at Sennheiser.com. And uh, if nothing else, I can point you at the closest good barbecue place. So thanks for having me, Tim.
0: Sure, absolutely. All right, Mr. Myers, thank you, sir. How do people get a hold of you or AVISPL cool. or one of your books? It. Yeah, Tim. So
2: uh, Twitter at J-B is in boy Myers. Uh, I, uh, email address for A-V-I-J-A-Y dot Myers at AVISPL.com. I'm very active on LinkedIn. And then also I have a separate page for jmyersceo.com that, I do a lot of marketing of some books
0: and things that I've written. All right, very good, check them out as well. Thank you all so much. For me, uh, for Tim Albright, at this point in the year, uh, I'm gearing up for my Chicago Bears, uh, doing something, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> Have have take place in about two or three weeks is when they'll kick off the uh, at least the preseason for NFL. So, but for more importantly, uh, for the folks here at Avian Nation, go by the website avianation.tv. That is avianation.tv. You'll find this program and a host of others. While you're there, please check out our supporter section. These are the folks that help us financially, help us bring you AV Week and Resi Week and Dawn's Show, AV Social. In about six weeks' time, we'll head to Denver and give you everything from the CDA. Expo 2019. So all that and more at avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That's all the time we have for AV Week.